Thanks for listening to the Redemption Hill podcast. This sermon was recorded during our Sunday morning gathering in West Boise. Everything we do is to help you connect with God, find real community, and discover your purpose. Follow us online at redemptionboise.org or on Instagram at redemptionboise. I used to love going to BSU games when I was little. It's good, especially this time of year, because it's not freezing cold, right? So, but I used to think my family was saying, be a shoe. We're gonna go be a shoe. And it would be like, the crowd would be like, Boise State, be a shoe, fight, fight, fight. I don't know. It doesn't have to make sense to a kid, you know? So, (laughs) oh, hey now, hey now. I did end up going to be a shoe in their nursing school. Um, And I loved, I always loved learning and studying. My very favorite format of class is lecture and exam. Lecture, exam. I just loved taking notes in all the ology classes. I went to their school of nursing, so I loved pathophysiology and anatomy and physiology and pharmacology. And I studied with a group of friends. We'd get together and go over note cards to try and pass our tests, you know. But even if we passed all of our classes, there's no way a hospital's going to hire a nurse unless she's gone through some form of an apprenticeship program, right? So that's what we're going to talk about today. Um, I did go through such a program. We would meet, um, they would pair us nursing students up at the end, it was toward the end of our program. They would pair us up with a nurse in the field. Um, and we'd work her shift. I was lucky enough to get paired with a nurse who worked from 3 a.m. to 3 p.m. That was the shift I got to work. So it was a little challenging to try and go to bed at like 7 p.m. to get ready to get up in the middle of the night and drive to St. Luke's for my shift as this little nursing student, but I managed. So I came the first day and I had a list of competencies, nursing skills that I needed to learn. And during this course, she was going to help me learn how to do these things. Because it's one thing to ace the test and know it here. It's a totally other thing to do the work of a nurse, right? So, like, we'd work on starting IVs. And um, the first time, we would just, I would just watch her. Nurses work in school in their apprenticeship programs through this format. Watch one, do one, teach one. That's the way we go. So in the beginning, I would just watch her. She would say, okay, I gotta start an IV. We'd talk about it beforehand. She'd tell me what she was gonna do. We'd go in and I'd just observe. I'd try to pick up on what she was doing and afterwards we'd maybe talk about it. And then theoretically, I was always like very timid about the doing step. Um, But theoretically, when the next patient came in who needed an IV started, I would be up. So we'd talk about it beforehand, and I'd go in shaky. I'm shaky right now. We'd go in, and it would be my turn to start the IV. And then we'd go out of the room afterward, and we'd talk about it. How did that go? We'd kind of debrief. I'd ask her questions. I didn't know what I was doing at this point, and we'd talk about it. This is the process we worked in. And by the end of my time, the idea was that I could check off every single one of those checklist nursing skills. I could do the work and get hired by a hospital and eventually go on to that last stage, watch one, do one, teach one. I would become the expert nurse and pass on my knowledge of nursing skills to new nursing students. So, And I did get to do that, which was fun. Um, our passage today is in Matthew 10, and this is right 
This is the process we find the discipleship, the disciples in right here in Matthew 10. We find them in the middle of their discipleship. And I, I started with that story of apprenticeship because we, you might have heard Robert or any of us use the term apprenticeship when we talk about following God. Um, around the church, we'll say like, oh, I follow Jesus, we're followers of Jesus, or I'm a disciple, and those are true, but I think sometimes they become almost a cliche, like, what do we mean when we say we follow Jesus, or we follow him on Instagram, we like, like everything he does, or we're like a student of his, whereas we like, we read the Bible and we study scriptures like a classroom kind of a student, but We like the word apprentice because it connotes this idea of moving from like a novice to a master, which makes me think of like Master Yoda. And I would make a Jedi Knight um, comment, but I don't know very much about Star Wars yet. I'm a boy mom, but my boys are young. So give me a couple years. We'll do that. But okay. So, but no, right here in Matthew 10, The disciples have been watching Jesus do some of his work, the work the Father sent him to do, which was to proclaim the nearness of the kingdom. He was healing the sick, he was casting out the demonic, and he had called some of them at this point, and they were watching him. They were doing that first step, watch. Now in Matthew 10, it's their turn, they're up. He is going to send them out, he's going to commission them as apostles, sent ones. It's the same kind of idea of a missionary, one sent. He's sending them out to practice while he's around. So it's their turn to do, and then they'll come back and debrief. So this is our our, uh, starting passage today, Matthew 10, verses 1 through 5. And he called to him his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. The names of the 12 were... Let's skip through. <laughs> These 12 Jesus sent out. Okay? So that's where we are. As I was par- preparing for today, I was asking the Lord what he wanted us to know about this passage. Jesus would go on in this chapter to send them out with specific instructions about how to do his work about um, where to go and what to expect on this little short-term mission trip they're about to be launched onto and then in the future when they're doing when they're doing his work Um, but i was sensing from the lord that we need to camp out on apprenticeship rather than just me getting up here and telling you how to live sent for jesus because living sent is the direct, um, it's the outflow of a full uh, life of apprenticeship to Jesus. I thought about calling this message the like L-shaped life. Like we receive from God in our apprenticeship. We receive from him through the Holy Spirit. We are transformed in our hearts, like actually changed. And then from there, we do the work. That's where our lives look like Jesus. If we talk about living life as Christians, like what is a Christian? Oh, a Christian is a person who accepts Jesus into their heart, who gets saved, and then they try and be good like he was good, and then they die and they go to heaven. Yay. But like that is so not what we're talking about. We're doing ourselves just a really big disservice if if we're going to do that. So today, 
We're just going to focus on that apprenticeship to break it down. What exactly is it? Why do we do it? And then just give you some encouragement for it, for life, um, life that looks like God's. So, yeah, I just, I was thinking, have you, like, met any exhausted believers lately? Like, have you had some conversations lately that go like, oh, hey, how are you? Oh, I'm really stressed. I'm just so busy. I have so much going on. Or, man, I'm anxious. I'm worried all the time. Or, I'm just really feeling depressed right now. I don't know if you come here today and you feel like you're just going through the motions in life or maybe like you're just searching around in the dark. And when I was asking God what we should do today, instead of um, teaching what Jesus said to his um, disciples in this passage or instead of showing you how the sending of the apostles fits into the big story, which we've been talking about the whole story, I, I just sensing him wanting to turn the light on for us about what in the world we're doing here in the first place. What are we doing following Jesus? So <laughs> I was, I just kept coming back to this verse that Ketty read last week. If you were here, you might remember she read in the message, um, paraphrase, Matthew 11, 28 through 30, and I just think it's a beautiful picture of apprenticeship to Jesus. It reads, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take real rest. Walk with me and work with me and watch how I do it. Do you see that that's the picture of the apprenticeship model we're talking about? I found it helpful to talk about apprenticeship um, to Jesus in terms of a three-stage cycle with language that I got from John Mark Comer. So I have a little diagram about that um, for you today. And this is what we're talking about when we're talking about following Jesus. We organize our life around three topics. Being with Jesus, be with Jesus, being with Jesus. This is what we call abiding sometimes. And then next, become like Jesus. So we focus on becoming like Jesus, which is the process of transformation. Sometimes we call this sanctification or spiritual formation. <laughs> what it means is on the inside, we're being formed in our hearts like Jesus. And then the last one is doing what he did. Do what he did. That's what we do. And this is the cycle. You never graduate from it. It's ongoing, perpetual. Um, apprenticeship, to borrow from the title of a Eugene Peterson book that I love, Apprenticeship to Jesus is a long obedience in the same direction. Okay, before we go through this paradigm a little bit more, we'll just break down each of those steps. I want to show you a Bible Project video. And we've been showing the videos of each of the books we've been going through in this series. But today, instead of showing you the Matthew video, I want to show you the book or the video on um, the image of God is what it's called. And the reason I'm showing you this is that I think it gets down to the bedrock question of why we apprentice to Jesus. Why do we do this? So we have a video. Let's roll it. Isn't that a beautiful video? I love the artwork so much. 
Do you see why we apprentice to Jesus? Because he is the image of God, and he's the new human. Our goal in apprenticeship to him is to learn that new way, to become like him. New humans who participate in his kingdom project through the unique way we were made, through our unique identities. Okay, so since we've talked a little bit about what we mean when we say we follow Jesus and why we do it, I'm going to go back to that diagram, and we're going to kind of break down each step in that apprenticeship paradigm. So number one, be with Jesus. Say, be with Jesus. Yeah, this is where the magic's at. Man, this changed my life. The concept of abiding We begin following Jesus by answering his call to come to him. I love the way Mark puts it in in his gospel. Mark 3, 13 through 15 says, Jesus went up on a mountainside, and he called to him those he wanted, and they came to him, and he appointed the twelve that they might be with him, and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority and to drive out demons. So since we're not walking the earth with Rabbi Jesus in this physical realm, what do we mean when we say be with Jesus? We mean to practice the presence of his spirit. We mentioned this life-changing book, I think, The Practice of the Presence of God before Robert's mentioned it. And I encourage you, if you want to learn more about abiding, it's a great quick read that you can read through daily, over and over and over, as you practice coming to Jesus to be with him. There are other practices um, to help us learn the process of just abiding in him all the time. So we're talking about things like practicing silence and solitude, or maybe incorporating some type of a Sabbath into your life, doing listening prayer. This is what we mean when we say to be with Jesus. Okay, step two is to become like Jesus. Say, become like Jesus. That's not hard, right? Sometimes we call this, like I said, sanctification. And nowadays, maybe you hear spiritual formation a little bit more. Dallas Willard um, describes spiritual formation this way. Spiritual formation in the tradition of Jesus Christ is the process of transformation of the inmost dimension of the human being, the heart, which is the same as the spirit or will. It is being formed, really transformed, in such a way that its natural expression comes to be the deeds of Christ done in the power of Christ. Oh, do we believe this, that we can do this, that this is happening to us, that we can participate in it? That through following Jesus, our natural expression, not the thing we know is right and we're trying to do, but the natural expression of our heart would be um, to look like Jesus, his deeds of service, of love, that we would actually be joyful or be at peace inside. I think so much is wrapped up in this step. So many practices or spiritual disciplines, they're sometimes called. There's this combination of the way that we participate and the things that we passively expect that, accept that God does in our lives. But one quick exchange I want to talk you guys through is something that we can do. Anyone can do it any time of day. On a regular old day of the week, we can do this and experience transformation. 
And it's this um, step-by-step process, biblical process, but it's from Jamie Winship. Um, So this is the process of um, confession and repentance, which leads to transformation. So I'll talk through it. I didn't make slides for this. If you're taking notes, just write this. First, we tell God the truth about where we're at. First, we tell the truth. We tell him if we're mad or if we're frustrated. Do you guys know that God can handle it when you say, I don't think you came through for me? We sang sang this song that he's never late and he's never going to fail us, but do we feel like that always? We don't. (laughs) I can tell you that we don't. At least I don't. And it's okay if we come to him and we say, hey, this is messed up. This is messed up. And maybe here it's a really good idea to ask him because he is a communicative God. He's a living God. He's not an idol. He's communicative to ask him where maybe was the first time in life that I felt this way in this sort of situation and let him tell you and walk you back through it. Okay, step two of this process is to ask him what he wants us to know. So second, we ask God what he wants us to know. We let him tell us the truth about himself, about others, about ourselves. And his truth always brings freedom. It brings freedom. His truth does not bring guilt or shame or fear or condemnation. No, it brings freedom. And this freedom transforms us and helps us see our situation differently. Third, we ask God what he wants us to do. Okay, God, we are turning. You transformed us. Repentance, we turned. And now what do we do with this new way of seeing? Receive that truth and the call he's giving you and then obey. Then it's time to obey. Now you know, you heard, this isn't a faith step. This is an obedience thing. Okay, now it's time. So honestly, I wanted to give you an example of how this works. This could work in a meeting. This could work if you're anxious about an appointment you're heading to, or you're frustrated with your kids, or you're in conflict with a friend or family member. But the most recent time, I'm just going to be honest with you guys, that I went through this was Friday. You can do it in community too. I actually did it with Tommy. Um, But I was feeling really fearful about coming and sharing this stuff with you guys today. I was feeling like, honestly, everything I said you guys would already know and you'd already be practicing in your lives and I'd just be wasting your time by getting up here and sharing with you. So I just told God, I was trying to write out, Lord, what do you want me to say to them? And I was like blocked by this emotion of just being fearful. And so I just asked him, God, what Or I just told him, God, I'm afraid. (laughs) And I was telling Tommy this, I'm afraid. So we went together. And I I asked him what, or I told him, sorry, I told him that I think I'm afraid of this. And so what that means about what I think about him is that he can't use me. That's what I'm saying when I'm saying, I'm afraid to do this. I don't think I'm going to be of any use up on stage. I don't think you can use me. That's what I think about myself and him in that moment. And then we asked him to show me Lord, when was the first time in my life that I was up in front of people and I felt like a failure? When was that? And Tommy and I like both started crying when I shared with him when when those times were. It was powerful. He did. I didn't even, I just popped into my brain from the spirit. It was a talent show when I was a little, little girl and a choir concert. Both those instances taught me to be fearful of this kind of scenario being up in front of people. 
And, um, and so we asked him, where were you in that situation? When I felt like a failure and when I was um, being afraid of public speaking or performing in any way. And Tommy told me he was there. He was cheering you on. He was delighted in you. He was proud of you. And yeah, okay, that's where he was. That's the truth about that situation because he maybe, just maybe, he created me to do things like this, to, to share and encourage and maybe to lead in some form or fashion. And what do you think the enemy wants to do with our giftings and our callings? He wants to steal them away from us. He doesn't want us to walk in them. And so I think that was the time he just snatched it right away from me. So, okay, God, with that new way of seeing that you were there, that you were cheering me on, that when I get up, you're there um, approving of me. What do you want me to do with that? And he reminded me of King David, the story when, he, when David is bringing the ark back to Jerusalem, and he stops and he praises Yahweh. Like he is dancing, like worshiping with his whole body. I think of this often when I'm worshiping because I feel like I move a lot. <laughs> but I think of this story because David, he was taking off his garments. Like the, the, his clothes were restricting how much dancing he needed to do to praise God. Okay, And his wife looks down on him and she despises him for embarrassing himself in front of other people. And what did he say to her? He said, I'll gladly be even more humiliated because I'm worshiping God. So here I am, preaching. It's my form of worship, encouragement to you guys. So like I said, even though that was about one situation with me, this can happen any time, any time of day, multiple times a day. And that's part of transforming on the in, in our inner hearts, becoming like Jesus. So the last step is doing what he did. Um, do what he did. Say, do what he did. Good. Okay, this part is where we practice the things that Jesus taught and practiced himself. Things like life in community, radical generosity, hospitality, service, forgiveness, loving our enemies, um, social justice, providing for the orphans and widows, speaking truth of encouragement over one another, calling out giftings in each other, prophesying. Paul exhorts us, the Apostle Paul, so much in his letters to the church, and Jesus has a great description. This is really the kingdom of God. It's the way of the kingdom of God, and he describes it in what we call the Sermon on the Mount, which we're going to get to go through in this um, series that we're in, this teaching series. It also includes um, preaching the gospel, healing the sick, casting out demons, and um, making disciples as well. So just a tall order, I guess, is what I'm thinking about all this. I'm not sure. Jesus instructed his disciples in Matthew 10:7. These are the two commissions. The little commission, which is the one that I started with in Matthew 10, which I kind of like that they call it the little commission kind of cute. And Matthew 28 is the Great Commission. Who's heard of the Great Commission? Okay. Um, so Matthew 10, 7, Jesus said, and proclaim as you go, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. And Matthew 28, 18 and 19 says, and Jesus came and said to them, 
All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. I love that he's with us um, as we try and do this with him, as we participate with him. But I'm wondering, as we talked about all those things, if it kind of feels overwhelming, because sometimes to me, the way of Jesus, the life that he lived, trying to do that feels overwhelming. Jesus himself, I just wrote this little list of the stuff that he did. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. He gave blind their sight and cleansed lepers. He displayed the wisdom of God in his interpretation of the scriptures. He had words of knowledge, you know, when he would tell somebody, like, this is exactly what you're thinking, or this is where your heart's at. So he had words of knowledge, and he prophesied. So my question is this. It's a really important thing we have to talk about when we talk about a life that looks like Jesus's. When we do the things he did, we have to answer this question. How did Jesus do the things that he did? Or why was he able to do this? I think that many of us, myself included, would answer this question, he did it because he was God, duh. Which kind of takes us off the hook because we're not God, right? But it's wrong, it's wrong. Jesus wasn't able to do what he did because he was God. He did it through the power of the Holy Spirit. He set aside his divinity, totally. He set it aside and he picked up humanity when he came to earth. He did what he did through the knowledge of the Father, through the Holy Spirit. Do you remember he said, I only do the things I hear my Father tell me to do, and I only say the things I hear the Father saying. Which brings me to the Holy Spirit. Think about the role for a minute in your own life um, that the Holy Spirit plays in your own life. Think about your relationship to the Spirit. What does that look like? I think so often we get disconnected from the Spirit. We know that we, like, have the Spirit. When we put faith in Christ, he comes into our hearts and we have him. But I don't, I'm not sure, I for one, forever, didn't live in any sort of communion or connection, constant communication back and forth through the Holy Spirit with God. I didn't do that. Instead, I viewed him in, I think, both of these ways. You may hold the same views. We view his function similar to like a magic Jesus genie. Like we think that we have the spirit, so when we're in a situation where we need to be like Jesus, we can call on him. Lord, give me peace. Lord, I'm about to scream at my kids. Please make me kind. And I think because of his loving kindness, he may grant you that. He may give that to you in the moment, but that is not his primary relationship to you. And I think, secondly, sometimes we live as if the Spirit automatically changes us without our participation other than just accepting him when we put faith in Christ. We think, because we have the Spirit, he is just magically making me like Jesus, and isn't that what sanctification is? This is the process we're on. He's taking me from glory to glory. But I think both of these views of our relationship to the Spirit are incredible deceptions of the enemy. A, community, a communicative, connected life in the Holy Spirit is the new way to be human. It's what Jesus was demonstrating to us. And we can't live like him. We cannot participate in the co-ruling 
if we aren't being unified with him through his spirit on an ongoing basis. Jesus modeled a life of constant connection to God. He lived fully unified to the Father through the energizing, loving life force of the Holy Spirit. And he really wanted us to get this, like really, really wanted us to get this. After his resurrection, his disciples are like, what's going on? And also, please don't go. <laughs> and he says, remember, he says, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I'll send him to you. I love that. I think we're kind of missing it still. Simon Ponsonby, in his book, More, equates the church today to a fish he once found flopping on the sand next to a pond. He writes, Many Christians have tragically departed from the deep waters of God's life-giving spirit, and like fish out of water, they are slowly suffocating. Whatever the circumstances that have led to them ending up in the shallows, stuck in the sand, gasping for life, whether it be false theology, poor discipleship, willful sin, or simply the exigencies of life in a broken world, God is willing and working for his church to be moved back into the deep waters of his life. The deep water of life in the spirit is where true apprenticeship takes place. Okay, so once again with a diagram, we can be with Jesus through the Spirit because of the Spirit in the Spirit. The Spirit speaks the words of the Father, and he gives us the mind of Christ. He helps us become like Jesus as we participate in our spiritual formation, and it's through the Spirit's power that we're able to do what Jesus did, not on our own. This mode of being Jesus really wanted us to participate in, but we couldn't, right? We saw from the video, we forfeited a life of communion with God when we separated from him in the garden. This is why Jesus went to the cross and separated from the Father for the first time. For the joy set before him, the reunification of God and you and me and all of creation, he went to the cross. He made a way for us to live fully in the Spirit so that we could be connected to the Father, to have the mind of Christ, and to be completely healed and transformed so that we could truly participate in his kingdom project of ruling and reigning. Amen? Okay, so the band can go ahead and come up now, and I want to take some time to pray with you guys about this stuff. I'm going to ask God some questions. And, um, and I want us to listen. And when you hear from God, when we're praying, when you hear from him, I want you to grab your phone, write it down, and then bring it back to him throughout the week. Bring it back out. Bring it back to him. Whatever quiet moment you have, and ask him about it. Ask him more about it. This is a process of inquiring the Lord and learning to communicate with him. Before I pray, I just want to read. I love this passion translation of 1 Corinthians 2.10. It reads, But God now unveils these profound realities to us by the Spirit. Yes, he has revealed to us his inmost heart and deepest mysteries through the Holy Spirit, 
who constantly explores all things. So with that truth in mind, let's pray. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for teaching me that life with you, of quote, following you, isn't just that I like, with, I like you or I agree with what you said or I believe you existed. It's not some magic thing that gets me into heaven, which isn't really that great of news anyways, God, because life here is still hard. It's still earth. Things are still broken and messed up. But it's really good news that you call us into this process, that you sent your spirit so we could participate in this calling to which we have been called, this kingdom project of living out our true, unique, God-given identities as we walk with you and become like you. It's so weird. The more that I become like you, the more I find my true self the me that you created me to be. God, I thank you for these friends who are here today. I don't know where they're all at in this process of apprenticeship. And I'm just going to bring them right now before your throne, Lord. Thank you for giving us your mind. God, I pray that the enemy would be silenced right now in the name of the living God, that the enemy would not be able to speak lies and deception, that he would not be able to steal your truth away. Lord, I pray, thankfully, with a grateful heart, and I ask you, God, that you would just show us where we're at in this process. Where are we at in this process? What are you calling us to, Jesus? Right now, I pray that you would speak Speak to us about where you're calling us and what you want us to do, Lord. God, we thank you for this time together. In your name, amen. This content is meant to help you understand the Bible and what it means to follow in the way of Jesus. But we have seen that this can't happen in isolation. It only happens in community. We'd love to have you join us at Redemption Hill or a church local to you that helps you grow in following Jesus. Drop us an email if you have any questions for our teachers to info at redemptionvoice.org.